Hello and welcome to another episode of The Life Capoeira. I'm very pleased to welcome my very good friend, Contramestre Negatessa, who has been in Capoeira for a very long time and, and very prolific in, in the UK Capoeira scene. So it's, it's an honour to have him on. Welcome. Much indeed, sir. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. And as we say, whatever you ask, you're going to have your answers. <laughs> if I can make it, if you're not. A... <laughs> No, thanks so, for the, we appreciate that. My pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. How, how and where and when did you start your journey in Capoeira? Well, I come from a very small place in Brazil called Arapuchi. It's in the, the state of Panama, the countryside. It's a very small town. On my time, it was maybe 15,000 people there. That's where I came from. When I was about eight to nine years old, my mother moved to a place called San Jose da Boa Vista. It was a really small town, as I say, big village, let's put it that way, with maybe five, six thousand people living there at the time. So the first contact I had with Capoeira was a boy called Buyu. You know, it was one of the guys, he didn't go much to the school, he was more like these guys in the street doing his own thing, making trouble here and then. And Actually, that was the first time I saw Capoeira. So I should be around eight years old. And when I saw he's doing a few things, I just, home and I was trying to do exactly the same. So the first trial of my handstand, I just boom, hit my back on the floor. And yeah, and I was like, no, this is not for me. But I still kept seeing these guys doing things on the street. I was like, no, I want to learn it. I want to. So that was the first contact I had with Capoeira with some guys in the neighborhood. That didn't last much longer. Maybe when I was about 12, I went back to Arapochi, the city where I came from. It was not far. And then I was selling lolly ice on the street with the little run. And one day, one of my friends just said, oh, I'm going for my batizado now. So what are you talking about? Oh, it's a capoeira batizado. I was like, capoeira where? So I just found him on the street. It was just in the next neighborhood. It was maybe half an hour away from my home. But when he mentioned Batzad, first I didn't understand what that was. Second, it was nothing to do with a Capoeira Batzad. It was just a group of few guys on the street. They decided to get one pandeira, one baby mouth, just play it and give belts here, and then they didn't even know what color belts would be. So my contact, and then I started deeper into it more often. There was some guys called Luciano, Verona, Lucianinho, João Paulo. So these were like, 15, 16 years old guide, the group, I just joined them for a few years, you know. At some point, by the age of 16, I joined the group, which I belong now, where I joined Brasileiros. Uh, still, we had a team with Professor Branco. So I left the street. But Branco, he was a very characteristic person. He was a kind of a guy he never liked to win on the streets. So I remember times when we were just training on the street, playing in the, in the park, but we could hear his motorbike coming. So we knew the sound of the motorbike. So we're just like running away, hiding from him. And some of the guys with passing of the years, they started joining the group, the school. Uh, as I didn't have money, I just kept fighting on the street. I just kept playing the street, learning from guys until I could actually join the group in 1998 or 1999. I think it was 99 when I joined the group. And I stayed there for a few years. In the meantime, I was in the group, I started working in a farm outside of my city, which was about 80 kilometers away. So I was coming back home every weekend. Or sometimes I was coming during the week to his class. In one of these farms I was working, I met a guy called Arnaldo Ferreira, Vicentino. Uh, and he was one of the type of the guys 
what we call in Brazil, peão de trecho. He's a kind of person who never sets in anywhere. He just travels from state to state doing informal work. So he just ended up working in one of those farms who pays cash on hands. He had some problems back wherever he came from, so he never went back. So through the years, I started training more with him. So I kind of realized I was kind of more a type of capoeira, not what I was training in this school. It was more offensive, you know, the lifestyle he was having. He was on the good age. He was on his 70s, I would say, on the time. So it was me and another three guys training with him every single day in this farm after work. So sometimes he was inviting us to go to for fishing. Five o'clock in the morning. So when we get there for the fish, just just throwing us in the river, making us coming back up to start the training before even start the work. At seven, now we start. And yes, he was the kind of guy I dedicate my life more learning from him than anybody else until he passed away. Uh, once he passed away, after a few years, I went back to the city. I stopped working farms. Uh, I never left my group. I was just training with different teachers. Yeah. When I went back to Araputi Branco, he was like stopped and the class, he was moving to another city and he was stopping Capoeira. He decided he didn't want to have nothing to do with Capoeira. That was the time when I passed training with his own master, Master Jai. So that's the master I'm following still in these days. So that was my little resume in the Capoeira how I started. <laughs> and um, yeah, so for all of these years, uh, I learned from right now. His capoeira was more back the old style of capoeira, if you can call it. He was never putting any names for the style of the capoeira that we were practicing. And a few times I asked who was his teacher, and he said he never had a official teacher. But he highlighted me um, after some time when we were like more confident with each other. And he was saying officially he never had a master. He was never called. Master, he never got any title, but he was a kind of guy who was he was from Feira de Santana, and then at some point he is a teenager, he moved into Cachoeira, and from Cachoeira he went to Salvador, and from Salvador he just started traveling around. So and then he just mentioned he'd never go back to his hometown, but he never told me the reason why he could not go back to, to Bahia. But he, what he was mentioned, he was going around the hordes, for example, Messi Caissara. Mainly when he was having the Pites uh, Festival Largo. So he was there with Mescaissar all the time. He was going to Sicobrinha Verde in his hodas, according to him, when he was making Hodden Shenshan. That was back when he was like very young, you know, in the 50s or whatever. And, and then when we got to the farm, when I was training on my own, he just saw what you're doing there. This is not that we can teach you. But as I never believed, would do anything because of his age. That was my first mistake. You know, I was all. 19 on the time, until he says, yeah, I cannot lift my legs anymore. I don't have your youth or your strength, but I have my hall. We call it Ishad to work. So if they came off the hall, he was just like, negativa, how? So he was just simply hitting down negative. So after three or four times, when you get a hit on the raise or on the head, you learn how to go down and up. So he was showing more that kind of capoeira from the streets, that kind of thing of the fight, aggressive beat. He was introducing me to the knights. He was introducing me to the navales, the foot razors. He was showing like sticks, how to manipulate the music, and a few other tricks, you know, which could be used on the streets, on the hardest of things. That's my first beginning. That's what I try to bring until now with my, my school. <laughs>
And what was it that led to you coming to the UK from Brazil? I came to the UK in 2006. It was November 11, 2006, I came to the UK. The idea of me coming to the UK was to stay here for 14 days, officially, so for a couple of events. So I was making a company to our master who got invited to come. Uh, it took some time for me to decide to come here because originally would be messaging my master was another teacher of the group, Fabinho, or Professor Maguila. But Professor Maguila decided he didn't want to come because he didn't want to leave his business in Brazil. Like, he owns a garage. I think the employers were not working the way they should on the time, so he was afraid of being away of the business. And I had a couple of friends here, like Eddie and Cristiano. They were already living here. They set up the group. And Cristiano always said he wanted to come here to England to help with the Capoeira, to have everything to like. But I never had the intention of living in Brazil, you know. Even if you asked me, where is UK in the map? I wouldn't be able to tell you. My geography was bad. <laughs> and, and then once I got here, I was supposed to be here for two weeks. Once I was here, I had a conversation with Cristiano and Edson. And Cristiano said, look, I want you to stay a bit longer. I want you to know more about UK. I want you to learn history. I want you to learn English. I want you to make a bit of money, then you can go back home if you decide this is not for you. But as you have the six months visa, why don't you stay? And say, well, how am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Because I'm not allowed to work. I have a tourist visa. And then we kind of agreed, like, look, what we're going to do is we're going to try opening a capoeira class for you so you can start teaching here or you can start visiting other people. You don't have to pay nothing while you don't have any money to live where I am. So whatever I eat, you eat. Whatever I sleep, you sleep. Once you get on your feet, then you can pay me. If you can. If not, don't worry. And so, yeah, I, just, I called my mom back in Brazil and I said, look, I think I'm going to stay here a little bit longer. What I was expecting. I'll see you in six months' time. So from the November 11th of 2006 until November 11th of 2023, will be 17 years since I first arrived in the UK. Uh, but I never started teaching up in the UK until 2009. So for three years, I was just visiting groups. I was going to different uh, schools. I was going from the north to the south to all the groups of Capoeira, which they had on the time, just to know what's happening to the Capoeira. And I was on my 20s, so I was full of energy. I was still training as hard as I could. When my I didn't have most of my injuries, which accumulates according to the years and yeah 17 years is gone very fast very fast i've been 2010 or that sort of time when i first met you in and then we had a street hodder as part of the the workshop and the first i saw of you is was getting in the hodder and thinking wow <laughs> I think I was 2009 it was back oh. 2009 when we first met that sounds right. Because how I'll tell I even know how we met to be honest. Because I went to an event in London. I got invited to I was just going to events and I met a guy called Professor Paul and he invited me for his event, which would take place in a few weeks from the day when we were in that particular event. So I said, okay. So I went for an event and I met a lot of people who I lost contact with them today. But the two who I the three people I'm still in touch from those times was Primo, Lua, Messi, Maxu. So they were the guys I first met in that place. So for me, everything was new. Everything was different because I never saw that kind of where I started 
already, it never arrived in the place where I was. So for me, wow, what kind of cup? Where is this? So I got quite impressed with what I saw because it was completely different than what I was expecting to see. And when I saw Primo, the not friendly person at all, you know, very aggressive face, like looking at you inside your eyes, like trying to eat you with your his own eyes, you know. And I was like, but there's something about this guy which I can tell that he's not what he's trying to is exposed. There is not this much aggressivity in him because he has such a pure heart and I could see through his eyes the big heart he had. So we had a little conversation, we had a game. It was quite interesting game, actually. <laughs> I can tell you later if you want. Um, and then he just asked me, look, how much you charge to come to my school to give a little workshop? I said, look, I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you live. But I'll tell you what, if you cover my ticket, I won't charge you. I won't charge you. That case, I think, okay, yeah, that's fine. So he never spoke to me again for, for a bit long of time. I don't know if saying I wouldn't charge him anything was a, something he was shocked about it or he was not trusting maybe I would. And then one day, we just showed on Facebook, it was something new for us at the time because Facebook was kind of like raising from that time. We had each other, we shared contacts. And one day I see his putting instructor again who is coming to give a workshop to Chelsea. So I was looking at it like, oh, it's going to be in a, in a week's, couple of weeks' time. So you know what? I'm going to go. So I didn't tell absolutely anyone. I just checked where the place was. I bought my ticket. And then when I was arriving there, I gave him a call. Look, I'm coming to, to where is the address? I'm coming to the workshop with me. So we got there. Surprisingly, he asked me to take one of the warm-up classes before he would come with his class. And I was happy about that. And then, of course, you know how much I love have a nice party around as well. So, yeah, nice staying, living nice party. And then I took a train back home in the evening. So that's how I met you on that day. A little hot on the streets, then hot, and then the workshops. That's how I met a lot of police from there on, on that very particular day. Yeah. When, when I was a bit younger. <laughs> Last year in London at the Vidair Sampa event, you were recognised as a zelador of UK's capoeira, preserving the traditions and ancestry of capoeira. How did receiving that recognition for your contributions to the UK capoeira community feel? As I say, through all these years, mainly in the UK, as I mentioned, I visit all of the groups of capoeira, yeah, which I could. Maybe I didn't visit every single school. But for surely, I was at least in one school of that particular group, visiting people, meeting new people, uh, discovering new styles of capoeira. Uh, surprise, well, not a surprise at all, but I remember back on the days when we used to, we are not even allowed to get close to a master. You know, there is a master somewhere you are not allowed to approach him to talk to him about anything. There is a master somewhere you are not allowed to talk to them unless they allow you to do so. Thank God those times are gone. So we're not much strict in these days, you know, as things are. But what I've noticed and since I first arrived here, I'm not going to mention names, there's no need for it. But I remember when I first arrived and I was already a professor with the title of professor, and I met a lot of students on the first belt, second belt, third chord, fourth chord. And most of them, they are already masters. They are already teachers. 
but you don't see them. They got the title and they disappear. So when I got invited to this event there, I kind of saw the old crew of the Capoeira who I haven't seen for so many years, you know. I see new, the new generation of Capoeira arriving today, not showing the respect to these old masters. I'm not saying respect because I'm just a young boy. Despite I look old, but I'm not that old, I'm only 40. But I've noticed uh, if you are able to do a lot of robotics, uh, or if you have a great voice for singing, or if you have a good background and you can bring a lot of different masters and make a lot of money to pay those guys, you accept for the society or for the capital community in the UK. If you are more like trying to step out of it, keep your own business, on your own school, uh, you may not be much appreciated for the work what you do. And the gener- new generation that comes, they don't even know who you are. There are a lot of new instructors, students, contramasters. They don't even know who the masters of London who were there for 20, 30 years. They live maybe near to the guys and they don't know who the person is. So whenever that event took place last year or to give like a gift for the teachers about the work they were doing through the years in the UK, I didn't even believe I deserved that, to be honest with you. You know, I, I didn't believe I deserved that because I haven't done much for the capoeira itself. What well, I mean, like bringing teachers from all over the place, all over the country, a little bit good from Brazil, from America, from no, not that kind of guy. I don't have that even that kind of money to make this kind of company. My point is more limited to what I learned my in my life. You know, the place where I passed, people who I trained with, situations I had in my life inside and outside of the capoeira. And for me I was just like a person who exactly in the morning, go to work in the morning, have one class a week, and that's me done. Until I've been called and said, look, this is for all the work you've done for the Capoeira in the UK. But I don't know nothing. And then they just start saying, well, I don't know for the others, but surely for us, you have done something. So to be put in that situation with a lot of great Capoeiristas all over the UK who have been here even longer than what I have, you know, it was quite a privilege for me to, to be that day in you know, being the side of like master with 60, 70 years experience in Capoeira and me just arriving there like someone who just jumped off the plane and arrived in the UK and it's in the same homage. It was, it was kind of a nice and a little privilege. I'm really, really happy about that. Maybe contributed more than you realize. You may not have had, you know, the big events where you get best rays from, from all over the world, but every time you're at an event and, and when you teach your passion for sharing capoeira with everybody and, and your experiences and it's not just in the lessons I can remember at the the, the Chichester festival I organized when we were just walking back up to the house and just again you were just singing a song and then it's like kung fu do you know what this song is about and it's just it's those gifts of knowledge that you have planted all over the place with all of your travels no doubt and the conversations that you've had with people it's it's it is a real gift. And I think there's a lot of people in the UK that are very grateful to have had capoeira experiences with you. Certainly amongst my, my friends in capoeira, I know they feel that way, which is part of the reason I was really keen to get you onto the podcast. Oh, no, thanks for that. I really appreciate the invitation. As I um, said, I don't even know what to say. Thank you. And um, obviously it's not just capoeira that you've been given. You frequently uh, do fundraising things to sort of raise money to, to buy food to feed the homeless and 
and there's other contributions you do to the wider community well outside of capoeira which is just fantastic and a lot of your fundraisers have been for things like say helping to feed the homeless your latest i believe is to help mestre giant back in in brazil would you like to talk a little bit about the the fundraiser you're doing at the moment right yeah before i mention about the fundraiser before mr jam i'll tell you why i like this kind of fundraisers like a few years ago what was the first idea of it um you only understand a bad situation when you are in it so to understand about uh, starvation it's not because you didn't have food for one or two days and you are hungry and you didn't have food to eat. That will kill you. No. But whenever you don't have food for days and weeks and then you live in that environment, you need to go through the bin, the waste in the back of house, the restaurants, to find that kind of food. This is a kind of a heartbreak. So when I was seeing people doing it around York or even other places in Brazil, that's something that hits me quite a lot. Not, I feel sympathy for them because I once was a situation. I once was a mess. I was in the streets for months and months, sometimes not having anything to eat, sometimes sleeping under whatever I could hide from the rain or whatever hide from people trying to beat me up. So I became at some point in my life, we call it the only shaker. So I was a kind of a bouncer for those kind of place for male entertainment, if I can put it that way. So, because I could, at some point in my life, I could move and I have still knowledge on the fight. I could really protect myself and protect others. So sometimes I was just doing those kind of jobs and sleeping in those places because I didn't have no else. And do I find someone who actually a reason to not give up life? Not now, became a homeless. It was something which it just is not because I had a bad family. My, I never started when I was at home. I always had food at home. But when I decided to leave my mother's house to go to the world, I never wanted to put my head down and go back. It doesn't matter how hard the situation was, I never want to quit on my parents. So I just decided, I don't care how hard it would be, I'll go for it. Uh, so as I started going for the races to help people to buy food, so I was talking at home, I was giving food to the homeless, I was going around town. Now, going to this fundraiser and doing for Mr. Jaime is, this guy is very peculiar, you know. If I have to say to you now why I trained with Mr. Jaime, you know, like your master met him, Primo met him, Lua met him, some other guys from UK met him. And when you look at Mr. Jaime and you look at me, it's two completely different things. We are completely different one to the other. Okay, but that little man who, as according to him, has nothing special to offer to no one with his simple capoeira. He never drank alcohol, maybe he drank alcohol once. He never smoked. He never went for gambling or only trains and work and look after his family and people around him. Um, and he never charged me even one penny for absolute anything in capoeira. He never came to me and said to me, "Look, can you give me a tenner just to help me?" to buy soft drink, never charged for absolutely nothing. And, and I'm not anybody special because since I know Mr. Jaime, if you can pay the monthly fee, you pay. If you cannot pay, you're still going to try. And for the kids, for this past 30 or 40 years, I have no clue how long he's doing that. He does social work with kids who the parents, they are drug addicted, 
or they are in prison for some reason, or they are alcoholics. So he helps those children to not go on the same path of the parents. So he never charged for the kids. Train with him, he takes money out of his own pocket to buy uniforms for them when the Brazilian government does not help him. And now he started a project with the adults as well. So now he's teaching adults and instead of being on the street doing mass, he just bring it to his school to teach him then something which can bring them to the future. So exactly the same what he did to me. Because let's put it that way, I was a lost cause for what I was doing for my life in my youth in Capri. So he was uh, the person without having to raise the voice at me, without having to put his hand on me. Just with his kindness, he brought me to the place where I am now, made me a better person than I once was, and I don't want to go back to that. And even if I want to go back to be that person, I so Mr. Jaime is a kind of he forms citizens for the uh, so the capoeira I don't even know how to describe Mr. Jaime his style or his capoeira or his personality it's just like my just I love the guy like I love my father you know and for all of his work he's done to the society and he's a simple man he's a donary he's not like a person who lives through the capoeira he never makes money with the capoeira he pays for his own pocket sometimes to give some beds and uniforms and food for Now he works in an orphanage uh, every other day. But the wage in Brazil is like it's very small. So whatever he gets paid in there is not enough to cover all the bills. So on the days he's not working as a driver for the orphanage, he's working as a joinery, like building houses or walls or whatever he can do. But he's on his middle street in Brazil to make a concrete. But it's still very rudimentary. He still needs to go with the hole and make it. So we were talking, uh, some guys, and thinking, right, maybe we could just get some money to help him to buy a complete mixer and to buy some tools for his uh, work, or even to help him to buy uniform for the kids or for the adults to give some food for whatever people. So I spoke to some of these children, so we came to the conclusion, I'll tell you what, let's do a little fundraiser. If people help, even with one pound, two pounds, whatever, and then we can get and send it to him, that will help him straight. But we never even spoke to him. I don't even know if he knows about that yet. I just put the fundraising for him, I put his name in there, and probably he's going to be calling me like a couple of days to find out what we have done. Just trying to raise some money for that, that gentleman. That sounds like a really worthwhile project, and I hope that a lot of our listeners can help if they can afford to. Appreciate money's tight in a lot of different places, but uh, obviously, if you are able to help, then this will be linked below in the episode descriptions. So, Mr. Jaime has obviously had a big impact on your journey in Capoeira. Who are the other mestres and people that you have met on the way that have also been influential in your Capoeira journey? Right. If I have to put them that way, for example. For example I hear a lot of people saying, um, we are descendants of slaves. We need to protect our culture. We need to go back to the past and find out what our ancients were doing, how they were mistreated, and whatever bad happened to them when they were slaves, so we're not slaves anymore. I do respect all the opinion about that, about the culture. But I have my point of view on that. So if I have to put you in the journey of the capoeira, people who kind of inspired into it, uh, I can even tell you they were not even capoeiristas. The people who actually taught me more about capoeira, to be honest with you. I learned a lot from home, 
my grandmother, uh, my mother, my father. So it was that period of times of my life when I was learning the culture inside my own house. It's not something what I went to the school to learn. I learned everything from home. The only thing I learned from the school was to put the moves together. Because my mother was already beating me up. <laughs> no. I never came from a line of slaves. I have to put, first I need to push it this way. However, my ancients were brought from Cameroons and from Congo. That's the line of my family, uh, history ancient. Uh, I descend from kings, from queens, from prince, princess, who being slaved by somebody. So I don't say by ancients, they were slaves. No, they being slaved by someone. They were not born that way. So I don't call me like I, or I'm a suffering person, or to victimize myself. No. I always keep my head up, and I always find the place where I'm accepted to be. And then people say, well, you should not go into those places because you won't be welcomed in there. Okay, I will not go there, but I will make someone from there to come and to drag me into that place somehow. Because um, what I tend to learn uh, these days, I don't remember, I don't recall making any workshop with absolutely no master, a part of maybe Master Shina shared it once, <clears throat> maybe one or two other masters. So in my entire life, I had three workshops to learn from different uh, events. In Brazil, it was completely different. To never go for workshops. You learn from one person. If you want to learn something, go somebody's school. But back in 2010, I learned something from a, uh, one of the best masters I ever met in my life. Not even playing but I never even seen a guy playing But the conversation I had with the guy called Master Irmo, Master Lampion. And he told me something that made me think a lot 13 years ago. When I was training, 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 he just looked at me and said, look, if you want to train, just go home. Go into your room, close the door, and train. Don't let other people see what you are training. Don't let other people understand about your moves, about your secrets. Give to them what they want to see, but don't give to them what they want to get from you. Be unpredictable. Be there. Don't be there. Be anywhere. Be nowhere, you know. Don't let people uh, learn from you through seeing you. Make them always want to see it again and don't show them that particular thing against them. Leave them wanting more. And then I was thinking about that for many years until I kind of realized what he was actually saying, you know. So there's a lot of people making impact in my life while I, when I thought I was already at the point when not I knew anything. When I got um, sorry, uh, when I got to the point when I believed I could run a school, run a group with my knowledge, not worrying about learning anything else, and then I just got a hit on, straight on my face. You know, as I said, I learned it for other people's school, but it does not mean I don't have anything else to learn. But my learning these days is much more into books. But they are going back to the culture, to the ancestrality, the music. As I say, I never learned capoeira. I want to make it clear for everyone to understand. I never learned capoeira because uh, I want to become a part of something. Or because I saw, oh, that's beautiful what's happening there. So I'm going to be all white with my belt. Uh, you know, I'm going to go for it. No, no. I started capoeira because I was getting beaten on the street all the time. That's why I want to learn something. But I couldn't afford it. So when I met this group of people, they see these kids, it was kind of a little family. They were protecting me from that. Doesn't mean they didn't get beat, 
<laughs> but it was a kind of I need to learn it because that's what I need for being in my place in Paraná. When the most of the culture in Paraná, the European culture, there's a lot of you might see there's a lot of Dutch people living there, Japanese people, Germans. So it was very few black people in the place where I came from all my time. So I put maybe two or three black guys in my school, and I was one of them. Maybe it was two or three fat guys in the school. I was one of them. Now, black, fat, and poor, it was me. Not because I was fat, the big guy, everybody wants to take a fight, and I was getting this. So the reason I spent Capoeira was not to play in the order because I thought it was beautiful. The first time I actually went to the order, I was letting Capoeira made for, I don't know, four or five years, six years before I actually saw a proper Capoeira hot. Because we were training the morning to fight in the evening. That was us. That was me. You know, train in the morning, train on the weekend. So when they go to school, we're going to have a fight if those people are beating me. So this was my idea of Capoeira at the time, because that it was the only thing which was showed to me. If I had the chance to go back on time to train Capoeira what I see today, probably I wouldn't have done what I did with my body through all of these years. Hurt myself, the injuries I had acquired with it. Now, at this stage, when I look back, yes, maybe back then I would start a different type of... But this very much I kind of think the Capoeira I have learned back then. I don't like the injuries which I have prizes for all of these years. But uh, all the time I meet a Capoeirist, like from the old times. When I say the old times, I, I'm talking about, like, for example, I, I made a very good friendship with a master called Messi Dikji. He's from Sao Paulo. He's a gentleman. I think he's almost in his 70s. So we had a, a great experience of playing Capoeira in London a few times. And a few times we had the privilege of being one of those Vadeya London uh, to play with Kutrop razors. When we just put the razors, when we just bring our walking stick, when you can actually put your hat down, know you have razors to your hair, know you have a few other tools on your pocket, and we're free to use it in the order, like in a friendly, not aiming to harm anyone, but we could show people something which is not being shown anymore. You don't see this kind of things in Capoeira anymore, you know. You don't go to the house, you don't see someone pulling a, a navalha and then just making the nice game. People say, well, navalha, you can put on your foot and play. No, navalha is not to put on your foot. It's staying hidden on your pocket, on your shoe, on your hat. If you need to use it, people don't see what's happening there. But when you have the chance to do a little theater and show people these skills, and then this kind of person I want to meet, I want to meet an experienced person with a great of knowledge who can not only show you the movement, but who can sit down with me and teach you something. As I said before, there's a lot of things for me to learn from the new version of Capoeira, the modern. There's a lot of things for me to learn. But the thing is, do I want to learn? Because it's already hard for me to keep and to maintain what I have and what I have learned through these years to pass it to my guys. It's already hard to maintain some of this. Being about rhythms, what play here, the different rhythms, different games we play in the other day, martial side of the capoeira, the self-defense, the weapons, the music. There is a lot for us to work on. So that's why I try not to bring anything new into it. But for some people who are not um, aware what we do, for them we might be just some crazy people doing some awkward things up here, like hitting 
a wall with our head balls or punching the walls or, you know, doing training with the machetes or with the beating balls, hitting each other. But this is what I learned. This is the legacy that was left to me to carry on with that. I come from the lineage of Messi Nebehe, Messi Nebehe, Messi Kinsari, Messi Silvestre, Messi Mirão, Messi Gildo, Messi Jaime, and myself. So Arnaldo, I come from Arnaldo, who got some of the knowledge he got from Messi Kaysar, from Messi Cobrinha Verde, or whoever else was at the time when he was up there in Bahia. So this is what I bring this street football So, But of course, I cannot behave, mainly in Europe, and do things here, what I was doing back 20 years in time. You know, we need to make this evolution, we need to make it better. I don't want to be that guy who's been hated by everyone. I just have my own thing and I play my own capoeira. I'm not the fastest guy. I'm not the strongest guy. I'm not even the prettiest guy with a pretty body to go and take the t-shirts off and make all the miracles. The only thing what I carry with me is a little bit what I learned back on the days. And I don't make capoeira out of my, my living out of it. So I can choose where I want to go. I can choose if I want to go for your event or not. I can choose who I'm playing with. Sometimes I get to events and then I see the students jump in front of master, get the big bow, saying whatever they want. I just go aside. If they stand in front of me, I just slap, get out. Why are you doing that? Because you need to show some respect. I'm not telling respect because I'm a country master. No, just except for the elders. You there is this thing now you call people call you man, 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 brother, brother. People never saw you in their entire life. They already come with this. Hello, my brother. Hello, husband. I can call you my brother. You can call me your brother. We've known each other for so long time. But now I just meet a person tomorrow and don't even address me according to my title, which for me is absolutely fine. If you call me Negudeta, it's great. If you call me Negão, if you call me Sandro, I don't mind. I'm not very strict into it. But also, I'd like to have sometimes a little bit of respect from people who I taught Capoeira once when they were a student, and now they are already masters. And they look at me like uh, a waste of space on earth. They just look at me, well, you're past, we're gone. You shouldn't be here. In that moment is when I bring my culture. That's when I bring my ancestry. That's when I bring my praise. That's when I bring the genesis and the tonic of my knowledge. But now, do I have time to fight with people these days? No. That's not, I'm going to forget about how this My thing is on the street. It's always been. It will always be. I'm not going to go to your event to destroy it, to fight with anyone at your event. I'd rather just, if something happens, I'd rather to get my backpack and I'll go back. I have a family to feed, I have a life to go on, and life is beautiful. Your life is beautiful. So, and I don't have like this idol which I can say, look, I like this guy because this guy plays very well, or I like that guy because that guy sings very well. No. I believe every world is individual, and I can learn a little bit from everything. The great capoeirista, the bad capoeirista, you know, there is the world for everyone, you know, so we should be there everywhere. The only thing is, I can choose from who I want to learn from. So if you go for an event, there's a great master giving a workshop there, but if I say, no, that is not true, that's not what I want to learn, I'm simply going to sit down and silence. I've been to events where the master was giving workshop, other masters taking place in the workshops. And they were getting like masters saying, Well, you are very humble because you were doing the train, some other guys are not doing the train. And I'm there, just relaxing, I'm just taking my time, my peace. And then we go for the harder, we play, we enjoy, and that's it.
And then they asked, why you didn't take part of the training? Because that's nothing what I want to add into my group. I will not say everything is wrong or bad, was better or worse than mine. No, it's just something what I don't see a need for myself to learn. That's how I take my career in my life. And that's why some people call me crazy. You know, they call me a madman. But I'm not mad. I can say you are a mad person, Kung Fu. Because I'm a very normal person. And some of you guys, you want to be close to me. So if people think I'm mad, you are even crazier than what I do, if you ask me. <laughs> and if our listeners want to uh, join the MAD crew, how can they train with you? When do you have your classes at the moment? Right. I have one class at the moment, which is in Leeds, the West Yorkshire, every Wednesday. So my class is from half past seven till people can breathe. Sometimes a class goes until half nine, sometimes goes until ten, sometimes goes until half past ten. I had a little project, which I was teaching on Monday, people with learned disabilities. So it was uh, two people, no, three, uh, two girls and one boy, they were blind. At some point, it was a couple of guys in a wheelchair. It was another guy who was mute. So the idea was just to start some capoeira, tell a bit of story about Brazil and capoeira. And it was a project of three months. It turned to be two years and ten months, the project what we started. <laughs> so we just stopped now for had a little break. So it went better than what we thought. And I was in York which my group is still in York for all of the years. So I have, I have at the moment, five instructors in the group, what we call them monitors. So monitoring my group is a little bit different than the monitors we see in the other groups. Because monitor here is just one belt before professor. So they are like instructors, you know. So there is John, Chuck in York, Paige, in Warrington uh, and Leeds, there is Gail, Christina, and James. They are there with me. So they are the ones who runs the group. They are, they are the ones who organize the group. You know, they organize everything what should be in there. They put everything according to what it should be. And they just run this school, which after seven years, I just want everyone to disappear. From my school. I don't want to be in a classroom control with one person for 10 years. No. After seven years training capital with me, if you don't have that knowledge, just to go out to another people's event and try to learn from other groups, what are we doing here? So after seven, eight years, these guys they simply moved, well, they kicked them out of the group so they could study unchapter into the capital. You know, so my class is on Wednesdays and Time to time, I go to visit every school uh, which they are teaching. And I go, I think, more to go for a couple of events to some of my friends in these days. And I'm about to start studies about the capoeira rhythms and the Birimbao, all capoeira games which are played. At least I played them in my group, some of my friends' schools. But in general, they'd be forgotten time may not be used anymore they just be left so i'm trying to bring it back into into <laughs> brilliant well thank you very much for joining us today and giving up your time it's been great to hear all the different 
uh, Tales from Your Life in Capoeira, Your Philosophies and Ideas. We'll be linking to uh, the social medias and the, the, the fundraiser in the descriptions below. The final question I like to ask, though, is what is capoeira? What is capoeira? Hello, that's a good question. That's a good question. What's capoeira? I'm going to talk about myself. People may like it, people may not like it, but this is just a thought of a loose madman, okay? Just a thought of a little bit, let's put it that way. If I have to describe to you capoeira as a fight, I'm going to break all the other elements of culture. If I say capoeira is a dance, I'm going to forget everything else. So for me, capoeira, for me, capoeira is life. You know, for me, capoeira is, that is life, what was missing in a pizza. And you just put it back to fulfill my life. Okay. I, everything what I do in my life, it turns around the, my family, what I do, like when I stand recap for for work, before work, I do my training. I think through the day. I don't think capoeira as a way to make my living. I don't want to make money through something what I believe is something what I learned from my house, as I mentioned. So for me, if I have to say capoeira is a fight, no, capoeira brings elements of things. Capoeira brings elements of dance, elements of music, of culture, history, you know, philosophy of life. Um, if I have to tell you in one word, what's that here? Life. That's how I can describe it. Because everything I can describe to be Capoeira, I'm going to be very crude because I'm going to have to leave everything else on the on the back stage. You know? Capoeira is a fight, so it's not a dance, it's not a culture, it's not a folklore. So Capoeira is all of it. But to reunite it all, I can just say Capoeira for me is life. Not my life, but is a life. <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem, sir. Well, it's been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to when our paths meet again in real life. Until then, though, we have the internet, and I'll be linking to uh, Contramestre Negateta's uh, social medias below, and you can get in touch with us, dear listener, if you want to, thelifecapoeira at gmail.com, and we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Until next time. Ciao. Okay.